Hi all, I'm Dan Smigrod, founder of the We Get Around Network Forum. Today is Wednesday, January 29th, 2020, and you're watching WGAN-TV Live at 5. Our topic today is success in selling 3D tours and real estate photography. If you're asking yourself questions like, uh, uh, or I'll ask you the question, would you like to add new clients? Would you like to get more business from existing clients? And would you like to grow your real estate photography and 3D tour business by 25% or more this year? Then you're watching the right show. Hey, David, good to see you. Good to be with you. Our, our guest today is Master Messaging founder, David Kirchin. Uh, I've met David, I've attended two of his seminars in Atlanta. They've been super helpful to me. Uh, one I attended about six years ago, and it's really been uh, terrific in, in helping me succeed faster. And uh, uh, in, a, in the most recent seminar that I attended, uh, this topic of uh, success came up, and I said, hey, David, um, our photographers could use your help. Uh, and he graciously agreed to be on the show. So thank you for being on the show with us today. David. You're, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. So... Uh, Success in selling 3D and real estate photography uh, uh, help us. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to do that. Um, it, you know, really starts with understanding uh, the buyer's mind. Uh, so I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, spend roughly about 35 years uh, in the sales profession, uh, had the opportunity to lead sales teams. And when I made the decision to found Master Messaging, uh, a consultancy to help uh, companies and entrepreneurs and business owners better communicate the value of their product and uh, product and service. You know, one of the things that really intrigued me was understanding the buying mind. And what I mean by that is um, really delving into behavioral psychology to understand how people make decisions. And so that um, endeavor uh, took me to about 15 to 20 different books, uh, ranging from authors like Daniel Kahneman and John Medina, Seth Godin, um, some people that really have done extensive research on, on how people make decisions. Um, and the reason that I wanted to do that is that anytime I'm working with a business owner and helping them understand how to better communicate the value of what they do, I didn't wanna just rely on my, my anecdotal experience. I wanted to ground it in science. Uh, so that's really what, what led me to uh, the creation and founding of Master Messaging is helping people uh, understand how to better communicate the value of their product and, and service and do that by understanding how their prospect is actually perceiving value, how their prospect is actually making the buying decision. So um, when you look at that, there you know, there, there are obvious things that um, business professionals do incorrectly when they're trying to communicate the value of their product or service. Um, and I put that under the category of uh, business professionals or sales professionals behaving badly when they communicate. And what that looks like is it really falls into three categories. Number one, uh, they end up sharing way too much information. So uh, as business owners and as people that are looking to acquire new, new clients, we need to understand that in the volume of information, the most important things get lost. And so uh, you have to, to, to overcome this, this uh, impulse, if you will, to want to share everything about the technology, everything about the, you know, the cameras, everything about your processes, because until your prospect understands the benefit to them, they really don't care how it is that you go about 
doing, doing your business. So mistake number one is just sharing way too much information. Mistake number two is not really communicating anything unique. As human beings, we constantly look at our environment and are trying to find outliers because outliers typically represent danger. So there's an opportunity for business owners and business professionals in the way that they communicate and what they communicate uh, to identify something unique that would stand out in the conversation. And again, a lot of business professionals miss this and miss the opportunity to, to do that. The last mistake is common to all human beings. We like to talk about ourselves. And unfortunately, the most important person in a selling conversation is not you. It's the person that you're communicating with. And so we have to resist this tendency to make the conversation about us, what we do, how we do it, the uh, longevity of our business, how our business works. Again, the person that we're communicating with, they have the same desire to talk about the things that they're passionate about and knowledgeable about. So we have to give them the opportunity to do that. So that leads me to what's the right way um, and, and where do you focus your conversation um, and it really comes from an understanding of human behavior. And that understanding is that we make decisions, and we make decisions based on meaning and emotion, and we justify our decisions with logic and reason. Yet, in my experience, when I talk with business owners, they tend to make a logical argument as to why uh, prospects should use their product or service. And that's, not, that's just not how we make decisions. We make decisions based on meaning and emotion, and then we justify our decisions with logic and reason. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll share with you a quick story. Uh, was doing a workshop for a, a group of Oracle consultants, probably some of the most successful sales professionals I've ever been in the room with. And I made that statement that human beings make decisions based on meaning and emotion. And I had a gentleman raise his hand. And I said, um, do you have a question? He's like, no, actually I'm going to disagree with what you just said. And I said, really, you're going to disagree with the fact that people make decisions based on meaning and emotion? Why? And he said, because I'm one of the most logical people you'll ever meet. I make every decision filtered through logic and reason. As a matter of fact, if you were to compare me with Mr. Spock, he would look like an emotional mess in comparison to the way that I behave. So I took a moment and, and I said, okay, let's, let's look at that a little bit closer. I said, what was the last major purchase that you made for uh, either your, your family or for you personally or for your business, big purchase. And he goes, oh, that's easy. Six months ago, I bought a new car. I said, okay, don't say anything, anything more. And he goes, why? And I said, we're gonna ask the rest of your team members uh, a really important question. So I turned to the rest of the room and I said, I want you to put your logic hat on and I want you to answer this question for me. If you were to go out and buy a car and it was strictly a logical exercise, what makes and models of cars do you think they would buy? Dan, what do, you, what do you think they said? Again, just a logical exercise buying a car. What kind of makes and models? Lexus. It, okay, the logical reason behind that would be longevity. I'm not a car person, so this, I would struggle with this question. <laughs> well, they were saying things like uh, Volvo for safety or Prius for gas mileage or a Honda Accord for longevity and, and low maintenance. And so these were all the practical, logical mix and models. And I turned to the gentleman that raised his hand originally, and I said, hey, would you mind telling your teammates what kind of car did you buy? And he tried to whisper it to me. He said, he said, a BMW. 
And I was like, the ultimate driving machine, German engineering, Corinthian leather, this, this incredible experience that you have behind the wheel of a car. And he, he looked at me, he goes, all right, all right. He goes, you're right. It was an emotional decision, but I got a great deal. And so again, he was just not understanding that a lot of the decisions that we make are subconscious. And when was the last time anybody saw a car commercial where they just put up a fact sheet and said, here's all the components that go into our engine. And this is technically why our car is better. Again, these, these, these billion dollar automobile uh, companies, they understand they have, to, they have to tap into the emotional reality of the audience that they're communicating with in order to get them to make a decision. Well, it's not any different for our audience today. You have to be able to tap into the meaning and emotion uh, of the prospect that you're communicating with in a way that gives them a compelling reason to want to buy and then use the logical part to, to actually justify their decision. So let me do this. I'm, I'm gonna bring up just a, a, a quick slide that um, shows uh, a little bit of the uh, human brain and we're, we'll talk about actually what's happening when people make, uh, make uh, decisions. So when you look at the um, human brain, there's three major parts to the brain. You've got the neocortex, which is the large wrinkly part on the outside, uh, sometimes referred to as the cerebral cortex. You have the limbic system, that yellow part where the, uh, all of our emotions reside. And then you have the reptilian com uh, complex, which really is the brainstem or, or the amygdala. And so when you look at these three sections, the neocortex is like the onboard computer for uh, human beings. It's where all the complicated uh, processes and tasks, uh, things like language and memory, uh, it all happens there inside of the neocortex. Um, the limbic system, that's where all of our emotions reside. So fear, love, passion, hate, anger, frustration, worry, all of that uh, happens in the, in the limbic system. And interesting thing about the limbic system in relation to the uh, cerebral cortex, um, the cerebral cortex is not completely formed in a human being until about age 25. And it's one of the reasons why if uh, there are any folks that are listening to this show and you're parenting teenagers, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is, again, the reason that a teenager does stupid things is because their cerebral cortex is not completely formed until they're 25 years old. Um, so they literally are brain damaged or not all the way fully formed human brains, which is why teens do stupid things. The good news is, is that once that uh, cerebral cortex is completely formed and has governance over the emotions and over the limbic system, you'll start to see your teenagers behave like uh, reasonable adults. All right, so the last part of the brain is the uh, amygdala or the reptilian complex or the, or, or the uh, fight or flight portion of the brain. And so when you're looking at that, the responsibility of the uh, brainstem is to determine whether or not you're safe. And so it's this binary switch. Um, your uh, reptilian complex is, is constantly surveying the environment that it's in and asking this question, am I safe or am I not? Am I safe or am I not? And then once it decides it's safe, then that decision process is over. But if it decides that it's not safe, the next decision is do I run or do I fight? And so when you look at the way that the human brain is designed, we're literally, uh, the, all of, all of our, our five senses, all of the uh, information that's been sent to the brain, 
the first part of the brain that gets that is the reptilian complex because it has to decide based on your five senses whether or not it's safe or not. Then the next part of the brain that gets that information is the limbic system. And it's literally our brains are trying to uh, figure out once we're safe, now it's trying to figure out what do we feel about the situation that we're in. And then the last part of the brain to get all of that information from our five senses is the cerebral cortex. And the cerebral cortex is what do I think about this? So we're literally making decisions from the inside out. Am I safe? How do I feel about this? And then uh, what do I think about this? Yet again, in my experience, so few businesses approach the conversations that they're having with prospects and customers from the perspective of, I need to uh, address this reality. There needs to be some meaning and emotion associated with the conversation that I'm having to help the person that I'm having a conversation with make a decision. So um, let me get back out of the slide here and jump back into uh, camera. And the way I do that is clicking here and then here. All right, so that's just, a, again, a basic understanding as to how the human brain operates. And understanding this, uh, our audience, you now have an opportunity to change the way that you're communicating with prospects and customers. And so uh, there's an acronym that Dan's already made reference to. It's, it's called the success formula. And where the success formula came from is a book written by Chip and Dan Heath called Made to Stick. And it's a um, marketing gem that was released probably 15, uh, 16 years ago. And in there, they, they uh, introduced the success formula. So what I did is I took the success formula and I changed it and made it a little bit better to really track to the elements that need to go into your conversation. Um, and the, the reference that, that we make is it's learning how to speak the language of decision and using the success formula as a checkpoint for that. So um, just uh, real quickly uh, back into the, uh, uh, the presentation and uh, give you the elements of that success formula. And so it starts with S or simple. So when you're speaking with a prospect or customer, you wanna keep your language and your conversation simple. Keep the, the concepts and ideas very, very basic. Uh, there was a study done in one of Dan Pink's book, uh, a book called uh, uh, To Sell as Human. And in that study, they, um, uh, they canvassed uh, some business professionals who were tasked with the, uh, the exercise of looking at theses from MBA students. So these MBA students obviously had spent all these years in school and uh, they're getting ready to graduate and uh, they're writing their final thesis and they gave the thesis to these business executives and they asked them to create two stacks one stack of uh, MBA graduates that would go on to rule the world and the other stack of MBA graduates that were kind of average. One of the attributes that they found in the thesis is for the, the, the rock stars that were going to go on and to rule the world is that they had the ability to take complex things and make them simple. And so that holds true in the conversations that you're having with your prospects and customers it's actually more powerful if you take complex things and make them very, very simple to understand. Think of it this, this way. The next time you try to explain what it is that you do 
or maybe the technology that you use, how would you explain that to a sixth grader? Put your, again, put, put your, your thought cap on, look at the person you're getting ready to communicate with and imagine that they're a sixth grader. How would that change your language and some of the terms and phrases that you would use? Um, it would drive you to, again, be more simple in the uh, language and concepts that you use. So the next, uh, the next one, U is for unexpected. Here's another reality about human behavior. Uh, John Medina in his book, Brain Rules, he identified that the average human attention span when you're receiving information from another person is roughly about seven to 10 minutes. Because here's what's happening. The amygdala or the reptilian complex that you heard about just a few minutes ago, again, its role is to, to determine whether or not it's safe or not. And so uh, imagine a prospect of yours stepping into a conversation with you and you're five to seven minutes in or maybe a little bit longer and the amygdala of the person that you're communicating with comes to the conclusion there's nothing really here that's dangerous. So I can stop paying attention. I can start thinking about what's for dinner tonight, who's gonna pick up the kids from school, uh, a work-related project. Uh, after the, again, the amygdala determines that it's safe, it tends to not pay attention. Up until the point that you do something unexpected in the conversation. So here's a, here's a quick example of that. Let's say you were to uh, introduce a, um, a, a golf ball. Uh, into the conversation. So it's a 3D object. And you, you told a story around this golf ball that's relevant to the conversation that you're having. As soon as you pull out a golf ball and uh, insert it into the conversation, the person you're communicating with is trying to figure out why did they just pick up a golf ball? What's, what's going on with the golf ball? And so that's unexpected. Um, and there are a number of techniques that you can use uh, from number plays to word plays to using a 3D prop to telling a personal story. Uh, there's a number of things that you can introduce into the conversation that are counterintuitive or unexpected that causes the person that you're communicating with to engage and listen and pay attention. So find ways to do something unexpected in the conversations that you're having with your prospects. Uh, the next one would be concrete. And so uh, concrete, not as in the thing that you walk on, but concrete versus abstract. So simple and concrete go, go kind of hand in hand together. Uh, you want to stay away from abstract uh, concepts or ideas. Um, you know, when I say the word justice, everybody listening to this, uh, uh, this conversation just had a different image in their mind's eye. It could be um, justice robes or justice of the peace or justice versus mercy or the justice scale. It could be a number of different things because justice is somewhat of an abstract concept. If, if I say elephant, then immediately everybody has the same big gray pachyderm in their, in, in their mind's eye because the concept of an elephant is concrete. So here's how you know that you just said something abstract in a conversation with a prospect or a client. They'll look at you and say, um, what did you mean by that? So anytime somebody asks a clarifying question like that, you can make a mental note that what you just communicated was too abstract. And what you'll find yourself doing is using an analogy, a metaphor or a story in response to their question, what did you mean by that? 
Um, and, and the reason that you go there is you use a concept or a construct that you know that they're familiar with, uh, like an analogy or a metaphor. And you'll go, oh, it's kind of like the Google of, or kind of like the um, uh, Airbnb of, or Uber of, or again, a concept that most everybody would know. And immediately they're like, oh, okay, I know what you were trying to communicate. So make a mental note when you get those, those clarifying questions. Hey, what did you mean by that? And whatever you use to clarify their understanding, use that going forward in the next conversation that you have. All right, this next one, uh, super, super important in, again, speaking this language of decision. And it's, uh, it's contrast. So here's why contrast is important. Daniel Kahneman, who's one of the foremost renowned behavioral psychologists in the world today, he won a Nobel Prize back in 2002 in economics. And the reason, uh, the kind of the fundamental reason for him winning this prestigious award in economics as a behavioral psychologist is because he cracked the code on how human beings perceive value. Now, value is king in any selling conversation. Value will ensure that there's a sense of urgency for your prospect to use your product or service sooner than later. Value is also uh, what enables you to get the price point uh, or the financial agreement that you're uh, entering into with your prospect or customer. So anytime you get pushback on, hey, I think you're too expensive, you just need to understand that you didn't communicate enough value around your product or service to justify the price point. And so what you're getting ready to experience here is an understanding of how human beings perceive value so you can do a better job of communicating value with the people that you're having conversations with. So it works like this. You have a conversation with a prospective client. When you start the conversation, that client has a idea or an understanding of what their present state is. This is what's going on in my world. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. These are the challenges that I'm facing. So they have a, a, a good feel for what their present state currently looks like. You start talking to them about the benefits of your uh, studio, photography, technology, the things that you can do for them, and they start to imagine what their future state would look like. And it's in the side-by-side -side contrast of their present state compared to their future state that they perceive value. So it's up to you to create this contrasting worldview in the conversation that you're having with them literally communicating to them, this is what your world looks like today without my uh, 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 product, service, or solution. And this is what your world could look like with my product or, or solution. And it's in that side-by-side -side comparison or contrast that they perceive value. Now, the interesting thing about that is that um, your prospects really don't understand all of the implications of their present state. So you have an opportunity to ask them questions about their present state that really helps them understand that their present state really wasn't where they thought it was. It's really a lot further to the left. Now, when you flip the conversation and start painting a picture of what their world could look like with, their, uh, with your, your solution, now all of a sudden, the perceived value is greater. But there's a really important point to make here. And, and again, this is, this is a challenge and kind of a, a hurdle that I see a lot of business owners uh, face when they're trying to apply this principle. 
So communicating their present state, uh, it really is just talking about the challenges and the impact of those challenges that they're facing today. But when you flip the conversation and start to paint a picture of what their world could look like with your solution, you need to be able to do that without making any reference to your solution. So it could be things like, um, you know, so uh, what if you could, um, what if you could work with more high-end properties? Or uh, what if you could um, shorten the uh, sales cycle uh, of, of selling a, a particular property? Again, that has nothing to do with your technology. It has nothing to do with your solution. You're just painting a picture of what if your world looked like this instead in helping them understand what they can do differently as a result of using your solution. Uh, David, for our community, I would say it's, it's uh, what that future state probably looks like for a photographer talking to a real estate agent. The future state is imagine that you could get in front of more clients to do to, to more uh, home sellers to do more presentations, do a listing presentation. Imagine okay. getting in front of more, more potential home sellers to do a listing presentation. Imagine winning more of those listing presentations. Right. And imagine listing presentations getting bigger over time or uh, listings that you're that you're doing your photography for uh, forgive me that you're that you're selling houses for that the houses are bigger uh, I guess I would translate that into um, uh, imagine uh, uh, winning more and bigger premium listings more often which begins by getting more leads to get in front of right right and see yeah, yeah, and what you're what you're demonstrating to me is that uh, you listen when you went through the first couple of, of workshops that you made reference to. Oh, when I started, I should say, forgive me, but when I, when I started out, uh, you painted a picture of exactly. Oh, let me tell you everything about this camera. I brought my I brought my camera with me on presentations. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the technology. Boy, was I wrong! I I thought everybody would want to learn about you know like uh, you know well it's out millions of dots of light per second and thousands of dots of lights per second. And then there's this reader that reads the lights and this is how it creates. No, nobody was really interested in, in that. They were interested in, well, well, how can you help me sell? Yet, how can you help me win more listing presentations? That, that's what right. I quickly, uh, and I think that was the, the, from, the, from the first of, of your webinars that I, uh, seminars that I attended, uh, was talking about the future state of what the client could imagine. You know, right. you know, imagine that we could help you double your income. Would that would that be helpful to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, really, the, the the in order for your audience to get to what those imaginative statements would be, it really is as simple as just sitting down, thinking about the prospect that you're gonna have a conversation with, and then answer this question. What can this prospect do differently in their world as a result of using the technology and the service that I provide? And you gave, you gave some great examples, uh, some, some incredible examples. So really it's just pulling out a piece of paper, 
thinking about the prospect that, that is sitting across the table or, or is going to be sitting across the table from you and then write out um, imagine if you could or what if you could dot 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 and then fill in the blank of all the things that they could do differently. Yeah, er early on, some of those things that I wrote down was, imagine that we could help you sell the house faster. But what I learned was the real estate agent, the objection to that was, the house is gonna sell regardless. I'm gonna make my commission. Meaning, if, 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 if I've already sold the listing, if I got the listing, then right. the photographer is just an expense that's gonna come out of my commission check. Right. So we really needed to be talking about the next potential listing rather than the existing listing. Uh, e even even talking about well, we can help help sell the house faster. The agent's just thinking, oh, I'm going to get my commission anyway. I don't. I'll just. I don't need that expense. So as soon as we started to shift the conversation to uh, imagine that we can help you double your income by helping you get more. Uh, or asking the questions, you know, if we if we could help you get in front of more potential uh, home sellers, uh, and we had a compelling reason to help you win a higher percentage of those sales, make uh, win more listings, mm -hmm. uh, and then trade up to bigger listings. So that that's kind of where we were uh, heading and finding some success. Yeah, and you you just, you just demonstrated another important principle. So the selling of the house fast, not so important to the uh, real estate agent, maybe important to the homeowner, right? So th that's a really important point. This perception of value that we're talking about, it really is on you to create this contrasting worldview specific to your audience, specific to the person that you're communicating with. Because you're right to say, hey, what if you could sell the house faster? For the agent, they look at that and go, yeah, I don't really care about that. Only if they can use that to say to the to to the home seller, hey, we can help you get the most offers the faster with them for the most amount of money with the least amount of stress and sell your home faster. Now you've hit some of the what I think are are the fill in the blank answers. Right. The agent talking to the homeowner. But really right. the first part of the conversation is, is you don't really get to have that conversation unless the agent feels that they, that they can achieve their objective of, uh, of winning more and bigger premium listings more often. Right, right. No, excellent. That, that, that's excellent. All right. So um, we're mostly through the success formula. Again, where we just, uh, where we just came from is understanding that um, contrast creating this contrasting worldview leads to the perception of value. Uh, and that's one of the most important things that uh, everybody's going to hear on, 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 this, uh, on this topic, is that if you didn't do a good job of creating this contrasting worldview, the perception of value is not going to be there, and you're going to have a hard time creating a sense of urgency for them to work with you, and you're going to have a hard time getting the price point that you're looking for. All right, um, E is for emotion. So you've already heard the role that emotion plays in making decisions, uh, but there's also another element uh, that's important to the topic of emotion. And that is that uh, emotion leads to memory. And so um, I, in the, the live workshops that I do, I often ask this question, hey, can, can anybody tell me where they were and what they were doing on 9-11? Um, and unless you are very young, uh, the answer to that question is going to be very detailed. 
because again, it was just so dramatic and, and the emotion associated with that was so strong. Um, and then I asked the, uh, another question of the room. I say, hey, can anybody tell me what you had for lunch two weeks ago? And there are very few people that can answer that question unless they eat the same thing every day. And, and I'm like, so uh, do you understand the dichotomy here? You can, you can give me detailed uh, description of where you were on 9-11, but you can't tell me what you had for lunch two weeks ago. And the whole reason behind that is because whatever you had for lunch two weeks ago, there was no strong uh, emotion associated with it. So uh, the reason that our brains work this way is largely for, uh, from a protective standpoint. So anytime we experience pain or a strong, uh, strong emotion, what the brain does is it floods our, our, our brain with hormones to create detailed memory of what happened right before the painful event and the consequence of the painful event so that our, our brains are able to say, hey, if you ever see this scenario again, you need to move away from it. You need to avoid it. It's, it's uh, the experience that I had when I was five years old. I can give you a detailed description of what our family room looked like in the house that, that, that we lived in, in in Richmond, Virginia. And the reason I can give you a detailed description of that room is that my mother left the room uh, and I saw this shiny object up on, on the uh, counter and I thought it was a toy. So I reached up to grab this shiny object and found out uh, that it was actually an iron uh, because I got second degree burns on my hand. And because of that painful uh, experience, again, my brain created this detailed record of, of what everything looked like in my environment so that if I saw it again, I'd know to avoid it. So obviously I learned that lesson a long time ago and to this day have a very squeamish approach to irons because of that experience. So why is that important in the success formula? Because as you evoke emotion around the pain of the current situation that your prospects are in and the things they can't do, they can't do, it, it helps them create memory of the conversation that, uh, that you're having with them. All right, S for sight. This is also very important. Uh, Medina in his book, Brain Rules, the other thing that he discovered, if you have a verbal conversation with somebody They'll re, uh, two days later, they'll remember about 20% of what you said. I, I want you to just let that sink in for a second. Because um, you're spending all this time to get an opportunity to speak with a prospect. And if it's just a verbal phone conversation, they're probably only going to remember about 20% of what you said. And that's, that's, that's not good. And so what Medina discovered is that if you can anchor the conversation around a visual image, then the retention of what you've communicated will go up to 70%. And here's why. When somebody says, hey, you remember that trip that we took to the beach? Um, the way that we remember things is we remember things visually. So nobody con conjures up a, 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 an image of a ticker tape of words running across the screen. That's not how you remember. You remember an image and then the second thing that happens is you remember how you felt in that experience or that image. So if that's the way that we remember things, then it's on us as communicators and as business professionals to give our, our, our prospects and clients a visual anchor that they can use to remember the conversations that you're having with them. And one of the most um, uh, impactful tools that you can use is whiteboarding. So uh, whiteboarding can show up uh, in the way that you just saw uh, an explanation of how to communicate value. 
again, by anchoring that explanation around a very simple whiteboard, increases the likelihood that everybody that's on this uh, uh, webinar can remember how it is that per people perceive uh, value. And you have the same opportunity in the conversations that you're having with your prospects and customers to incorporate a very simple tool like whiteboarding uh, to create more uh, retention and understanding of what you're communicating. And the last S in, the, in this success formula uh, is stories. And so the reason that stories are so powerful is that because as human beings, we don't experience stories passively. We experience stories experientially. Uh, there was a, a, a TED talk that was released about a year and a half ago. And what they did is they had two individuals sitting with their backs to each other and they were carrying on conversations with somebody else in the room. And so they had put monitors on their um, uh, heads to detect the uh, brave wavelengths of each of these individuals, these two individuals. And obviously as they're carrying on two separate conversations, their brave wa wavelengths are completely different. What they found was is as soon as the two turned and faced each other and one of them started to tell the other one a story, their bra brain wavelengths became in sync or in tune uh, with each other. They were on the same wavelength. And the only time this happens in communication is in the context of, of either telling or receiving a story. So there are ways to incorporate stories into the conversations that you're having with prospects and customers that creates this experience. And one of those would be just a customer story. So you can paint a picture of, hey, I've worked with other uh, agencies or other agents. They were faced with this challenge or problem. And now what they're able to do is are these things instead. And the reason behind that is, and then you give them a little bit of context as to how you worked with them. There are all kinds of stories that you can incorporate into your, into your conversations, again, that make it easier for the person to understand and experience uh, the emotion, the meaning of what it is that you're communicating because you're using this concept called a story. All right, so how do we bring this all together? Well, it starts with understanding um, uh, the value position for the product or service that you represent. And the way that you get there is you certainly have to understand what your product is and does. And the mistake that most businesses make is they just focus on that. Here's what my product is and this is what it does. I'll let you connect the dots on the value that it would represent for you. And then once you figure that, figure that out, then we can do business together. Um, and again, unfortunately, what you've just heard and understanding the success formula is that's not the way that uh, human beings make decisions and it's not the right way to, to, to communicate. So to determine the focal point of the conversation that you're going to have with a prospect, you have to understand the unique value position for that prospect. And the way that you get there is very simply to identify challenges or problems that your prospect faces and your unique ability to solve that challenge or problem. And the unique ability comes out of what your product is or does. Now, those are the building blocks for the conversation that you're going to have. And what you're going to see here in just a minute is a story arc that you can tap into to build a high value conversation. So before you ever talk about what your product or service is and does, 
you have to frame the conversation so that the person you're communicating with understand what it means to them. Once they understand what it means to them, then they're going to have a vested interest in understanding what the product is and does. So the way that you do that is you introduce what you know are known challenges in their world. So you have to understand what, are, what they're trying to accomplish and what are the high level challenges or problems that they bump up against that are keeping them from their goals and objectives. Now, in a conversation like this, nobody likes having a finger pointed at them and uh, basically you, you looking at them and going, hey, you've got this problem or you've got this challenge. But you, you talk with real estate agents every day. I mean, this is an area of expertise for you. So you don't have to say, hey, you've got this challenge or you've got this problem. What you can do is make reference to the other uh, agents that you work with and just say something like, hey, in talking with other agents, here's some, some of the challenges that I'm hearing them share with me. And by doing that, you're still allowing the person that you're communicating with to live in the understanding of their challenge because more than likely everything that you're sharing, what you've heard from other agents is exactly what they're experiencing in way of challenges. Not enough just to give voice to the challenges. You also want to give voice to the impact of those challenges on uh, the individual that you're communicating with and on their business. So I work with sales professionals all the time, uh, specifically sales leaders. And one of the challenges that they face is this 80-20 dynamic of the behavior of the sales team, where 80% of the revenue is be being created by 20% of the team. Well, that's a challenge. And I could introduce that into the conversation I'm having, but if I just, if I just left it at that and then moved on in the conversation, I'm missing out on an opportunity for them to understand the impact of that challenge on their business. So the impact would be, hey, you've got this 80-20 dynamic where 80% of your revenue is be being created by 20% of your reps. So the impact of that is that you're probably losing some of your reps because they're not making the money that they expected. And the impact of that is that you're having to spend money to go out and fill those empty seats. But even more importantly, you're missing out on productive uh, team members creating revenue to help you realize your revenue goal. So that 80-20 split, it doesn't live in isolation. It actually creates this ripple effect, this, this uh, challenging ripple effect inside of their organization and inside of their team. And again, for, uh, for you, it's, it's, it's on you to communicate uh, the impact that these challenges are having uh, on the prospect that you're having a conversation with. Now, once you've done this, once you've, you, you've communicated, hey, in talking with other agents, we hear that they're challenged with and the impact of those challenges is, at that point, you can ask a, a very uh, important open-ended question. You just look at the person that you're having a conversation with and you say something like, hey, that's what I'm hearing and seeing and talking with other agents. I'm curious, Dan, what does that look like in your world? And they'll do one of two things. They'll affirm that they've got the same challenges and they may add some other challenges to the conversation. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm challenged with not, um, you know, getting as many high-end properties as, as, as I would like, or, um, you know, challenged in, in not doing uh, more work with the type of agencies that, uh, you know, th that I'd like to do work with. But in addition to that, I've also got these challenges. So by asking a very open-ended question, 
you'll get them to affirm what it is that you've communicated and you'll also learn uh, new things that are going on uh, inside their world that you may not have identified as challenges. And when they give you the answer, just ask some impact questions. Uh, and you can ask questions like, well, what have, what have you tried to solve that problem? What happens if you can't solve that problem? What's the impact on your business? What's the impact on your team? What's the impact on your clients? Uh, and these are great follow-up questions to deepen their understanding of their present state. Going back to that whiteboard that you saw a few minutes ago where you're moving the, the green arrow further and further to the left. So now that when you flip the conversation, the contrast is gonna be that much, that, that much more dramatic. So now that you've had the opportunity to do this, you can now flip the conversation and say, hey, you know, thanks for sharing. Um, if it's any consolation, um, I'm hearing a lot of the same things from other agents that I'm having conversations with. And at that point, now this, now this is when you're introduced. So what if you could have access to more high-end properties? What if you could, um, uh, you know, have higher margin deals? What if you could uh, create more, uh, you know, create more clients? Again, you're painting this picture of what their world could look like by partnering with you. And at that point, you, you, you basically say, well, you can, and here's how, or you can, and here's, here's where, where we've done it before. We've worked with other agencies, we've created this kind of uh, uh, future state, and now they're, they're benefiting from that. And then once you offer up proof, now they're actually gonna be interested to know a little bit of how you do that, what it, what it is that you do and, 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 uh, and how your product or service works. And so when you do this well, and you build the, uh, the conversation using this kind of story arc, you literally on the left-hand side of the, uh, the whiteboard have created an understanding of what their present state looks like. And on the right-hand side of that white, white uh, board, you've created an understanding of what their future state would look like. So I, I'll just give you a quick example. Let me uh, uh, stop sharing here. Um, so Dan, you've actually heard me use this example before. Um, if I walked into a Verizon store and I told the uh, customer service or sales rep there, hey, I've never seen a smartphone before in my life. And I just explained to them, look, I've, you know, for whatever reason, I've ne I just never really had much interest. I've, I've, I've tried to stay away from all this future technology, but now I'm kind of curious. So I'm walking in and I've never seen a smartphone before in my life. Here's how most uh, sales professionals would behave. They'd go and grab the latest smartphone, uh, maybe an iPhone 12 or whatever, and they'd shove it in my face and go, oh my goodness, you've never seen a smartphone before? Well, it's made out of uh, Gorilla Glass and it's got aluminum backing and it's got a 120 gigabit hard drive and it always less than a pound, don't you want one? They'd give me everything that it is and does and expect that that would be enough to create enough excitement for me to say, yes, I want one. Um, and I would just look at them and go, I'm completely confused. I have no idea what you just said. So contrast that with uh, walking into an AT&T store where they understand that story arc, how to build a high value conversation. And instead of shoving a smartphone in my face, they take a minute to understand a little bit about the challenges in my world. And they say, well, okay, David, you're, you think you're kind of interested in smartphones. Tell me a little bit about your world. Well, uh, married, 35 years, four adult kids. As a matter of fact, our oldest daughter uh, recently got married, moved out to Portland, Oregon. We live in Atlanta, Georgia, and gave birth to our first granddaughter. 
oh, really? So you've got a granddaughter and family out in Oregon. You live here in Atlanta. Yeah. How's that working for you? Not so good. My wife wants to get on a plane every two weeks, fly out to Portland to be with our uh, granddaughter and, and our daughter and son-in-law. It's emotionally uh, you know, uh, frustrating for her to not to be able to be out there to help. Uh, it's expensive to fly out there every two weeks. And it's frustrating for me as well not to be able to experience this new stage of our life as far as being a grandparent. And so the salesperson takes the time to understand all of that and all of a sudden flips the conversation and says, David, what if you could see your granddaughter every day just like she was standing right next to you? What if you could see when she takes her first steps or maybe more importantly for you, what if you could see the expression on her face the first time she says, granddaddy? You can. It's called a smartphone. Do you want one? That's the dramatic difference between just depending on explaining the technology and service that you provide and hoping somebody will understand the value to them as opposed to framing the conversation in a way that they understand what it means to them. Because at that point in the conversation with the AT&T rep, I'm going to be like, yeah, show me how that works. I, I want to see how I can experience being with my granddaughter every day, just like she was standing right next to me. And then I'm going to be like, that's amazing. How much does that cost? And when they say $5,000, I'm going to pull out my credit card and I'm going to pay for it because I want the benefit. I want the outcome that they just painted this, this amazing picture. So for your audience, again, hopefully this has been helpful where they understand they've got to go through that story arc. Yeah, that story is, is spot on, David. I think in, in our world as a, a 3D photographer, in fact, it, that may be even the wrong way to even describe ourselves based on this present state and future state conversation. We really ought to be talking about what the value is maybe even in what we identify ourselves as. But right. I think there's a, a lot of us as photographers who want to talk about, well, it's got this, this dollhouse view and then there's these matter tags and you can label stuff. Uh, and uh, let me tell you about how we can play a video within the, so all we're starting to do is describe the technology uh, uh, and that's why I think your your analogy is is spot on, um, because we're we're probably more like that first store, caught up in the bells and whistles of what our technology does, rather than trying to understand the the problem or challenge of a, a real estate agent. Uh, and it probably doesn't take too many questions to ask: uh, Are you are you winning all your listing presentations? If you were making more money, what would you do with it? Oh, I'd love to have a you know a boat. I'd love to travel. I'd, well, now you got some things to start painting some pictures with, right? Of of, of you know, well, if, if if I could help you make more money in order to take that cruise you want to go on or or go travel on that trip, would would that be helpful? Yeah, and and now I want to make a, a quick distinction because there's a little nuance in in painting this picture of what their world could look like. If you'll notice when I was um, sharing the story of the AT&T rep, I said, so he says, hey, imagine if you could see your granddaughter like she was standing right next to you. Imagine if you could see your first steps and imagine if you could see the expression on her face when she says granddaddy. Well, you can and it's called a smartphone. So the, the distinction is and the nuance is I didn't pose it as a question that I expected the person to answer. Mm -hmm. Because when you when you say, um, Hey, what if you could? Um, what if you could close more listings, or what if you could make more money? Would that be a good thing? 
that's, I, I put that under the category of leading the witness. So they, they feel like they're being led when you ask uh, a question that there's no way that they can answer it other than yes, that would be a good thing. So this painting a picture of what their world could look like, it's meant to be a rhetorical question. What if you could, what if you could, what if you could, you can, here's how, and then give them an explanation. Imagine that you could get in front of more potential home sellers. Imagine that more of those home sellers said yes to you listing the house for sale. Right. And, and, and that world, you can have that. And here's how. It's, and called, it's called 3D. And again, you give them a, a, a brief explanation of how it works. Same thing that I did with the smartphone. Again, he painted this picture and he goes, you can, you can have this. It's called a smartphone. Do you want one? And, and maybe to translate that for the agent, maybe to help the agent understand how they can help tell this story. So if, if you're in front of someone who is about to sell their house, uh, imagine getting more leads, or let's see, how, how would we say this? Imagine, um, imagine more offers for more money with the least amount of stress. Imagine not having to have to clean up the house every time someone wants to come see your house. Right. Not, not having to take the kids out of the house every time someone wants to come. That's because here's the solution that mm -hmm. makes a, a 24 seven open house possible. Right. So is that in kind of the right direction? It is, it is. And again, you're, you're demonstrating the importance of understanding the audience that you're speaking with. Because you just shifted the imagine if statements that you were making, you shifted it so that they would be more impactful and relevant to the, to the, the, the homeowner. Right? So you're demonstrating this ability to paint a picture of what the world could look like with this 3D technology for different audiences. It's different for the agent than it is for the home, bu uh, home buyer or home seller. Um, and you're absolutely right. Your audience has the ability to coach the agents on how to build this conversation so that it's of high value to the homeowner. Let me try and add just a little more to that, see if I'm in the right direction. Sure. So, uh, so uh, the agent is talking to the potential, to, to the person who wants to sell their house, why should you list your house for sale with me? Mm -hmm. uh, imagine how we, we are going to enable out of town buyers to be able to visit your house as if they were there. Imagine people who are across town. Imagine people who are um, relocating from out of town. And um, um, imagine how all uh, having more potential buyers look at your home, that that's going to imag imagine that leading to more offers for the most money with the least amount of sh stress. And we can help achieve that when we list your house for sale. And here's how. And here's how. Yeah. Is that in the right direction? It is. It is. When you do that well, and, and the, the thing that you'd have to work on is those imagine if statements really need to be pretty short and concise. Because okay. again, and if you can do it in threes, imagine if this, imagine if this, imagine if this. When you do it in threes, it makes it easy for the person you're communicating with to remember and, and to really... Under, to really in their mind's eye start to imagine that that scenario and then you just look at them you go you look you can and here's how and again avoid 
the the um, the, the knee-jerk reaction to give them a dissertation on the how. You just need to give them enough in the how that they can believe what you've just said is true. Uh, I, I would say now that we've had the We Get Around Network Forum uh, community for five plus years, um, 65,000 posts among 10,000 topics, um, a lot of what photographers uh, have have been communicating, in my opinion, have, have been uh, all the things about the technology rather than about the, the imagine that. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is really kind of a transformational message for our community is to start focusing on what, the, what that future state looks like for the potential buyer rather than let me explain the technology and here's and this is how it works and the camera rotates and and then it and then it creates this dollhouse view and then we get this floor plans and we have these tags and matter tags and matter vids and matter matter this and all, all of a sudden we are you're lost in the technology uh which again is about us it's it's not about the future state of what the client wants to imagine so right. is that we on kind of on the right page trying to shift that thinking? Absolutely, absolutely. And I know this isn't going to make your audience feel any better, uh, but in eight years of doing this, it's not just your audience that has this challenge. It's, it's business owners and sales professionals across the board. Because as human beings, we, we're most comfortable when we're talking about the things that we're passionate and knowledgeable about. So it only makes sense that when we get in front of somebody that we think has an interest in what we do, we just want to tell them everything about it because we're, we're so convinced it's the most amazing thing ever. And again, the takeaway is that people really don't care about what you do. They care about the outcomes, the future states that you'll create for them. Once they understand that, then they'll actually listen to how you do that because they'll understand the meaning and the importance to them. So yes, you're absolutely on the right track. So we, we asked, we asked the, the, our community, we get around network forum community, what kind of objections do you hear constantly? So, um, I, I, and, and I think a typical comment is, I, uh, I got a quote from another photographer who, who can do, uh, do it for much cheaper than that. Can you help me understand with that typical objection by a member of the We Get Around Network community, uh, how do you apply this success formula? What, what yeah, so um, unfortunately, again, there's no silver bullet to the answer to that question, but there is understanding of the principle uh, that your audience uh, heard uh, earlier in our conversation and that is the communication of value. So anytime uh, you get pushback on price, well, I can get it cheaper, uh, I can get it somewhere else, or uh, I don't necessarily need it today. What they're literally saying to you is, Dan, you did not do a good enough job in communicating the value of your product or service to justify the price that you just asked for. So unfortunately, at, if it's at the end of the conversation, you, again, you just need to chalk it up to, I did not do a good enough job of creating this contrasting worldview. When you do the, uh, 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 an excellent job of creating the contrasting worldview, 
it mitigates the likelihood that they're going to compare you to somebody else because they understand the value that was represented in the conversation that you had. So that's, that's, that's a reality or truth that you can't get away. And again, I've, I've been asked this questions hundreds of times. How do I overcome the price objection? And my answer is do a better job of communicating value next time. So let's say that we can communicate the value mm -hmm. and, and we're absolutely there spot on. Uh, imagine that three times. Here's how. Right. Yeah, but there's a photographer that does exactly what you do who, who who's, uh, will do it for less. So how do I, how do I, how does our community that is typically using the same solution that's now offered by more than one photographer differentiate themselves so that that's part of that value proposition? Yeah, I, the, the only other uh, way to come back to that would be to um, ask them, you know, compared to what? Okay, so you, you're saying that there's somebody else that can do exactly what I do uh, for a price point that's much less. So what is it that they, what, what's this future state that they, they created for you? What, what outcomes did they talk about that they're gonna be able to create for you? Um, if, if it comes down to, again, if it's exactly the same, um, I, I, unfortunately, I, I don't have an answer for that other than I would, I, I would find it hard to believe that if somebody in your audience used the technique and the, and the principle that we've just discussed, um, unless the other company that the prospect spoke to did the exact same thing in creating this, this, this future state, I, I don't think they're going to compare you to that other company because that other company would have just spent all this time talking about the technology, not the outcome. Yes. Uh, and I would say if we really pressed really hard and to say, well, what differentiates you from the next photographer and the next photographer? Well, it may be that, that one photographer offers not just still photography, and this 3D tour solution, but also offers aerial photography and right. videography. And so, and we can do that all with one order rather than having to source it to two photographers or three photographers. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, we carry $2 million in liability insurance. Did the other photographer do that? So imagine that they come in and they break something or they fall down or something happens on the job. Would that be an example of differentiating? Yeah, and, and so, uh, and I'm glad you said that because it, it just jogs something in, in my thought process. Um, when you paint this picture of, hey, what if you could do this? What if you could do this? What if you could do this? You can, and here's how. To your point, when you give the explanation of how, that's when you'd want to incorporate the things that are unique to your solution some of the things that you just suggested. Because now when, when they hear that and they hear the how of how you do it, they're gonna compare that how with the other company that they're making reference to that they can get it from cheaper. And they're gonna realize if I want this, this future state that Dan just communicated, his, his how has some unique things in it that are gonna allow that to happen. Therefore, I need to pick Dan. So yeah. yes, that would be a way to do it. And, and I would say, you know, th th those that are watching, uh, you know, WGAN TV Live at Five today with you, I would say are, are, are also the photographers who probably have been at it the longest. 
-hmm. thinking about, you know, hey, I'm just not getting, you know, as many new clients as I would like. I'm, I'm not winning, getting as much business from my existing clients as I want. I don't understand. I've been, I've been doing this for five years. Well, you know, bingo, the person who's selling at a, at a cheaper price point may very well be just got the camera, uh, is looking to get some new clients, is coming in at a lower price point. So it, it so it, it may be, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to take a, if you're going to, um, if you're going to fly a plane, do you want your pilot, someone who's been uh, flying for 10 years or someone who just started? Right. Because, right. In, you know, it's, it's not when things go, when things go right, we all can fly the plane. Right. Don't go right. You want the seasoned experienced photographer that can make the judgment call who, 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 and I, I, the example I guess I think of, and I, I certainly have not gotten it down to a few words, but um, when when a photographer goes to a home and is often the homeowner still in the house, that you're representing that real estate agent. Yeah. And who 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 do you want in the house? Someone who is a a seasoned, experienced uh, person who's going to say and do the right things that. Uh, speak well about that agent versus somebody who is a, a person with a camera that just got it, who's doing it for less, but may not represent the client in the best possible, the agent in the best possible way to their client. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't said that right, but I, I think what I'm trying to, sh to struggle for is to say there really are ways for photographers to differentiate themselves from other photographers, even though it, it might seem like we all shoot the same solution. I, I would agree with that. And again, you have to always tie it back to the outcome and the future state that you've painted the picture of. Whatever it is that you believe is unique to your business has to support what you said in, hey, what if you could have this? Well, you can by working with uh, one of the most experienced uh, 3D photographers in Atlanta. We've been doing this for over 20, again, whatever the spiel is, we've been doing this for over 15 years, which means when we interact with your customers, the home, the home buyer or the home seller, um, they're going to have a very professional uh, impression of your agency because of our knowledge of how to do that. Again, there's ways to say that, but it has to always be tied back to the outcome because they're looking for uh, any supporting uh, information on how you're going to create this future state. And then the other thing that I'll say is in a commoditized market, like you're describing, the uniqueness can actually show up in the way that you're communicating with your prospect. So I, I firmly believe that the, uh, your audience, if there are uh, individuals in the audience that'll take what they've heard today and apply it to the conversations, they're going to stand out as being unique and different just in the way that they're communicating with the prospect. A big difference in somebody says, how much? Right. And all you do is answer the email with, I charge X per square foot. Right, right. Perfect point, yeah. So, And, and so does your messaging, uh, if I'm going to master the messaging, uh, is that is that also in my only opportunity may be email. So uh, do, I, do I communicate in a similar fashion with email? So I'm bouncing some emails back and forth about uh, what would be the best possible outcome in order to probe for 
what that future state might look like? Uh, or am I simply answering the question, Here, here's a price? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So that story arc that you saw for building a high value conversation should absolutely be used in um, any, any customer or prospect facing communication. So when you're building an email, you should start the email out with, hey, in working with other agencies, we hear they're challenged with this. This is the impact. Uh, now they're able to realize this future state and here's how. Would love to have a 15 minute conversation with you as to how you can have the same results. So you're gonna follow the same story arc in that written communication in an email. Websites, if you go to the master messaging website, you're gonna see this, this story arc play out in, in, in our website. Here's master, the- Excuse me, mastermessaging.com. Correct. Mastermessaging.com. Yeah. It, it, again, we, we talk about the challenges of business professionals and sales professionals. We talk about the impact of it. And then we paint a picture of what their world could look like if they were to partner with us. And then we give them a little bit of information as to how we do that. So that story arc should be used in any communication, website, emails, brochures, because every time you communicate that way, you're creating a high perceived value in the mind of the audience that you're communicating with. And, and should we be trying to shift that conversation from email to phone or, or for e from email to in-person? In-person uh... in, in is, in is always the, the ideal. The, again, the eye contact, the body language, the, the things that you can pick up in an in-person meeting are far superior. So yeah, as quickly as you can move the conversation from email interest, it may take an initial phone call to communicate a little bit more, but Yes, you absolutely want to get to an in-person meeting as quickly as you can. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't have a lot of time to, to do an in-person meeting, so just tell me what your price is. I, I can't tell you the price until you understand the value. So again, at that point, I would be looking to, can you give me 15 minutes to have just a brief conversation so that you understand the value that you'd be paying for? So, so, part, so it's a business risk. You, you might not get the business because you didn't answer the question on price. On the other hand, I imagine if, if someone's listening at this point, they probably are struggling with, well, I haven't been, I, I, I guess even for a photographer, I would ask the question, uh, when you quote a job, do you get 100% of the business? And if the answer is no, then maybe you have to shift and try something different. And then maybe this is what's different yeah. is that you, you really need to get uh, 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 either an in-person uh, conversation, best, or a video chat or a phone conversation, rather than simply uh, quoting the project directly and then knowing that perhaps that agent is asking three other photographers for a quote and going with the least, uh, the least cost project without knowing what the value proposition of, of how uh, the photographer can help that future state. So, mm -hmm. so let's see, how, how might that translate? So for an agent that's asking about 3D tours, it, it may be they don't realize that you also offer floor plans and video. And so they're in the midst of calling around to get quotes on three different kinds of services from different providers where you're the only provider, or they may not realize that you carry, you have in, insurance and here's how that translates or <clears throat> excuse me your level of experience translates to um, 
you know, uh, if um, <clears throat> I think you, you you said it far better than I, <clears throat> excuse me, David, I possibly could, but um, we're often left with the homeowner, and th those are are are. Uh, do you want to leave that with a seasoned person who's going to say and do the right thing, as opposed to the the somebody who's just just bought a camera, doesn't know too much about interacting with the client and all of a sudden, you know, said the wrong thing. Yeah. If, if you get an email from a prospective client and the email is just simply, Hey, I need this, this, and this, how much would you charge? I, I, I mean, you have to understand what's happening there. They've already had a more detailed conversation with another photographer. They've already gotten an understanding of how, how all this works. They're just looking to make sure that the person that they had the conversation with isn't charging too much. And so the likelihood of you replying back, even with a marginally less quote, you winning the business is almost, it's like almost zero. Because all they're doing is using you as, as kind of a data source of, hey, is this other company in the ballpark of the right price that I should be paying for this? So by you pushing back and saying, um, so you're looking for a price quote for this in, in order for me to respond to that request, I really need to have a better understanding of what it is that you're trying to accomplish and some of the challenges that you're bumping up against. If they're not going to take the time to have that conversation with you, you're not going to win the deal anyway. Yeah. So for photographers that have, that have not been winning by quoting and responding to a request for quote by email, then perhaps uh, they need to keep track of uh, the wins and the losses and to, mm -hmm. categorize, to categorize the losses to say, oh, well, all I did was quote price. All I did was quote price. All I did, oh, there's a trend here. When, when I respond to a quote with price, then somebody else has already established with the value. Somebody else has already established the relationship. I'm, I'm just the data point to validate that that photographer is not charging way too much. And uh, so I've, I've, helped, I've helped the other photographer get the business by providing a, a price to get to the, the three quotes that the person felt comfortable with in order to, to make the decision with the first person that they were happy with. Yeah, and then one other quick thought, um, another way to kind of disrupt and get the person that just asked you for the quote, thinking differently, ask a, uh, ask a hard question. So you, know, you could say, hey, in order to provide a quote, you need to have an understanding of some of the challenges that you're facing, what you're trying to accomplish. And oh, by the way, have you considered the liability associated with having an inexperienced photographer on the set? Or have you considered, so ask a question that you know would be a potential landmine for the company that you're doing business with and would provoke the, uh, the potential client to want to have a conversation with you to explore the answer to that question. So again, I don't know enough about the world of your audience to think of what a good uh, a question would be. What, what I ask sales leaders from time to time is, can you tell me what the conversion rate is of the demonstrations that you're doing of your software? And it's, it's such an insightful and important question. I immediately get high credibility for asking that question and it provokes them to want to have a conversation with me because I'm, I'm coming across as being very educated and highly knowledgeable about their world. So there may be similar questions that um, your, your audience could ask when they get just a simple request for a quote, 
hey, we'd love to, you know, we'd love to uh, provide you the information that you've asked for. We need to have a conversation so I can understand the challenges and, and the goals of what you're trying to accomplish. And oh, by the way, have you considered, and then ask the question. Yeah, and for, for, for our community, I, there, there are many photographers that offer other solutions. Oh, oh, oh by the way, when you have a house uh, for sale and it doesn't have any furniture, uh, uh, part of the solutions that our members would provide is virtual staging. That would be an okay. example. So a, a real estate agent may be uh, planning to spend $1,000 on virtual staging or $2,000 on virtual staging, excuse me, uh, on actual staging, real furniture, where mm -hmm. it can be done at a, at a fraction of a cost uh, by doing it virtually within a tour. So there's, there's, there's services that the community offers that should differentiate them from one photographer or another. Uh, it may be spaces that haven't been built yet, and it's providing a 3D tour for, for that kind of space. I mentioned the, uh, the, the floor plans. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm struggling in terms of tactical solutions, but, but it, they are things that still differentiate that um, a, a lot of agents really, they would switch in a heartbeat to a service provider that is one-stop shopping that covers all the things that the agent wants to buy. Because the agent really doesn't want to deal with three people, they want to deal with one person whenever possible. Well, so using the example that, that we're, we're touching on, the question that you could pose in response to the email is, oh, and by the way, how are you mitigating the cost of staging? All of a sudden, the person that sent the email is like, I, I never thought about that. Now they have a valid reason to engage you in a conversation because you're coming across as knowledgeable and insightful and different than the conversation they had before. Yes, and it, and it may be that the, that the listing they're thinking about that they've reached out in terms of a 3D tour uh, has furniture so that it, it shows nicely. But right. it's also possible that the next house, one of the houses won't be furnished when it needs to be shot. And therefore, oh, well, now, do you go to another photographer that specializes in that? Well, you might as well start with us because we, we can do both, whether right. furnished or unfurnished, built or unbuilt. Uh, uh, we, w whether you need visual storytelling inside the house or outside the house, uh, that we're really one, uh, maybe I'm too focused on one-stop shopping, but that would be an, an example. Yeah, yeah. So I, again, in, in our back and forth, I think uh, the audience has gotten a, a couple of ideas or thoughts on how to how to differentiate. Um, and so I, I'm glad we went down that that path because uh, I wasn't happy with my original answer to how do you respond to somebody that says, "Hey, I can get it for the same price somewhere else." Mm -hmm. Well, I think the you know Mike probably one of my key takeaways is from your success formula, uh, uh, taking us through the, your success formula. Uh, is, is value, 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 future state, future state, future state. And, and you got to shift the conversation from, mm -hmm. from talking about either price or tactics or how it's done to uh, this whole visualization of uh, uh, imagine that, keep it at three things. And yeah. here's how. Yeah. And the yeah. how incorporates not just what we were thinking about in terms of the 3D tour of photography, which we all would probably think that's what we would answer, but unless we've added a piece that, uh, a piece or three that differentiates ourselves. That's then, key. 
then what, all we've done is help sell the space of it's, it's important to do photography, it's important to do 3D tours, but you haven't yeah. established why it's important to in, engage you as the photographer to offer that service. Very well said. Good. Uh, uh, what, what is it, uh, what haven't we covered today that we should be talking about? Um, I, I think we've, we've pretty much hit it. I mean, we've, um, again, I think your, your recap was, was, was spot on. And that is no, nobody really cares about how you go about doing your business. They care about the out, outcomes you, that you create. And if you do a good job of communicating those outcomes in the future state, then they'll want to understand how you do it. And in your explanation of how, you need to pick a few key things that you know are, are important to creating that future state that may be unique to your business. Awesome. Um, David, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I, uh, this is a blast. I'm, I'm glad you uh, uh, extended the invitation. Uh, thank you. We've been visiting with David uh, Kirchin. David is the founder of Master Messaging. You can find him at mastermessaging.com. And uh, uh, I thank you for tuning in. If you, if you uh, missed the portion of the show, we have been recording it and uh, we will post it in the We Get Around Network forum. That's wganforum.com by tomorrow, uh, Thursday, January 30th. Um, uh, 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 David, thanks again. And uh, I'm Dan Smakerod, founder of the We Get Around Network Forum. You've been watching WGAN-TV live at five.